This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Remnant Radio. We've got an exciting program. We're talking about the different ways that God speaks, what level of weight we're going to put on that, and how do we understand that in light of the scriptures in a closed canon. It's going to be a fun conversation, but before we do that, I want to let you guys know about Remnant Radio. We are a theology broadcast. Uh, we interview pastors and teachers from all over the world, many of which we disagree with, but our goal is to just invite them on the show, have them explain their tradition and how they understand the scriptures so that we can kind of suspend our pre suppositions and challenge ourselves to better understand the Bible so that we can understand the God who has given us the Bible. Uh, It's an exciting program. We'd encourage you to subscribe if you're interested in theological conversations with different flavors and kind of destroying and disrupting echo chambers and devaluing Christian confirmation bias. Those are the words I'm going to try to keep using. (laughs) Devaluing Christians. Devaluing Christian confirmation bias. Uh, To my left, your right is Michael Roundtree, who is back from vacation. Thrilled to have you back man and would you tell us of some of the shows that we filmed this is episode four for this week so yes well we had bob roberts on monday night talking about evangelism had jimmy evans on tuesday that one is rocking lots of people really interested in that one pre-tribulational rapture that's right and uh he is an ardent defender of the pre-trib rapture so go check it out we've done episodes on the post-trib rapture if you if you want to see that go to an old episode search craig keener we did one with him in May, maybe. Right. Okay, so uh, and then today we had William Lane Craig. Man, that episode just rocked it. I'm still like, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I'm excited. That was such a good ep- good episode. If you guys didn't see it, anchored uh, is the word you're looking for. Anchored. I feel. I just feel I, rooted in my Christian. I, faith. I feel rooted and grounded in love. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so um, yeah, so William Lane Craig was on the show and talked about the atonement, the cross, and man, it was deep. It was deep, but uh, honestly, I think most anyone could lay person could understand the conversation really good. Uh, coming up this next week, Monday night, we have Josh Hoffert coming on the show. That's right. This is a friend of John's. Yeah. Which again, it's yeah. actually how I connected. All with right. Him. It's one yeah. big family. And so uh, he's in Canada, eh? And <laughs> sorry I'm to sorry. all our Canadian viewers. I'm Are sorry. you from Canada? You had to say sorry. I was just I was trying to get that in there. Okay. I'm not. But You're not. You know. Sorry. I love Canada. <laughs> so uh, I've never been there, but I <laughs> but love. Bacon's great. Yeah. Oh boy, let's get all the cheese Josh, out now. Josh Hopper Josh is covering the patristics, uh, aka the uh, church fathers. And so, if you're into that, just kind of, uh, you know, if you're like me and you kind of your background's just sort of like Protestant Reformation and and forward is like all the church history you've got. This guy takes you deep. So this can be really good. Cool. Well, to my right, to your left, we've got uh, a treat. John Thomas, you know, you were one of our. You're a treat. You're a treat. I am a treat. You are. You are. I, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that. I, 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 I know Jesus who made name. me. There and go. he actually does really good work. So that's, I'm that's okay good. With that. that's good. So, so we, we first uh, we've been on your program. You've been on our program a couple of times. You introduced us to uh, um, at Gannon. You introduced us to uh, Josh Hoffer, who we've done. We filmed an entire series with. Uh, really excited to have you back on the program. Tell us a little about yourself and your ministry uh, before we, we dive into the subject. Yeah. So been married for almost 24 years. So over over 23 and a half years right now. And same woman, which is a good thing. Yes, it's a good uh, sign. <laughs> it is. And I'm, right now, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm running Streams Ministries, which is a ministry that was started by John Paul Jackson back in the 90s to train the body of Christ how to hear God better. I, I was actually I was in Hong Kong last year, and a pastor was introducing me to somebody, and he's like, John gives the body of Christ hearing aids. I thought that was such a good description of what I want to do. I, my, my whole heart and what we provide equipping so that the church can hear from God better 
not just hear from God, but understand what he says. Because okay. it's real easy to get a dream and the Bible says that God speaks through dreams. But what does it actually mean? And understanding that. So that's that's what we get to do. So streamsministries.com. We got a bunch of resources on there, blogs, free videos and all kinds of stuff. How, how this is just a history question, yeah. because I've heard snippets from different people. And how, how connected was John to kind of the vineyard? And because Jack Deere is mm-hmm. kind of a background for Michael. You know, we've been around uh, uh, Brian Blount from the, the vineyard movement and Robbie Dawkins, who's got some vineyard in his background. Yeah. Uh, how, how is how is he connected to some of that? So John Paul was part of Church on the Rock here okay. with Larry Lee okay. when that exploded, went from a few hundred people to a few thousand people in a couple of years. He moved up to Kansas City. He was part of the Kansas City Fellowship that became the Metro City Vineyard, which is now IHOP, International House of Prayer, Mike Bickle, that whole group. And that's when he got involved with John Wimber, started to meet him. So in early 1990, he actually went out to L.A. and was part of the staff at the Anaheim Vineyard with John Wimber, with Jack Deere. Gotcha. Um, they did stuff together during that period of time. That church, man. Yeah. That man. would have been amazing. Yeah. There's going to be great judgment on the people who sat under all that teaching. <laughs> like, like, you guys are going to be strictly held accountable. I'm sorry. Like, man, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So he was integral. He planted two different vineyard churches, one in Illinois, one here in Fort Worth area. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That, that gives me a little bit of historical context. Related. It's literally not related to what we're talking about <laughs> at all today. Um, so, so help us. Ways that God speaks. He speaks yeah. in different ways. Uh, when you say speaks, uh, kind of give us an outline of what you mean here. So we could go forever because God can speak in as many different ways as he is creative. Mm -hmm. So he could just create a new way to speak if he wanted to. Um, But thinking about biblically, some of the the clear ways, dreams, visions are, they're mentioned, I think it's over 300 particular instances that dreams and visions are mentioned. So that's a significant way. Audible voice, clearly, angelic visitations, God himself coming down, having a meal, giving some a message, um, those kinds of things. But we also have the, the ways that are not necessarily seen in the Old Testament, but become clear as you begin to tease out the meaning of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So God speaking in our heart. In the Old Testament, you didn't have Holy Spirit living inside of you, united with your spirit. So it was not likely that your spirit would hear the voice of God without it coming from outside of you. But now, because we're united, we can actually hear in other ways. So God can speak through our thoughts. We can have a thought and it actually be from God, not our own thought. We can have emotions, have a feeling, just get really happy, get really sad. And it could be God speaking something to us through that, a desire. We could have a desire that could be God speaking to us. Now, clearly, in all of those things, you can't say these are always God. Right. But you also can't say these are never God. So so uh, with, let's use the most subjective ones that you just gave, right. right? Emotions, thoughts. Uh, is there? Do we have any scriptural evidence in the New Testament for someone who, who said, they felt inclined of the Lord. They were led by the Lord. They, they is, is there something that would kind of suggest that their emotions or thoughts might have been the Lord opposed to thus saith the Lord, right? How about a conversation being recognized as being led by the Lord so you can recognize what his will is? There you go. I believe that's what James was saying in the Apostolic Council when he says it seemed good to us and to mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit yeah. to... Mm-hmm lay these things down. So they had recognized through their own thought pattern, their own conversations in the peace of the Holy Spirit and how God had moved the testimony of how he had moved. And I believe what he was doing in the moment that they recognized, wow, this is really God. And it was enough of God that they actually made it doctrine in the church. Like this is okay. This is not okay. Here's where the line is. If you're not a Jew and you're trying to be a Christian, this is what it looks like. Okay. Okay. I also think of, I was trying to look it up, uh, Nehemiah 7, 5 is Old Testament. Then God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials of people to be enrolled by genealogy. So God just 
puts it on Nehemiah's heart. Seems similar to what uh, happens to Paul in Acts 19, where he says, I was compelled, uh, where he's compelled or constrained by yeah. the Holy Spirit uh, to go to Jerusalem. And so uh, I think of both of those as being just like the Holy Spirit, just putting it on someone's heart, on someone's mind to go and do something. Okay, and then follow up. Uh, so he speaks. These are the most subjective. Continue on your your line of thinking. I can speak uh, in, in other ways. Sort of yeah. other ways. Well, let's just kind of keep on moving up that that direction because you have a thought that's in your head. You have to discern whether or not it's God. But how about you just know something that you have no way of knowing? Uh, I was. I mean, this would be an interesting one. I was at dinner with some friends. We we're talking about birthdays, and somebody said, you know, something about, oh, my birthday. Uh, is really special to me. I instantly knew what their birthday was. I had no way of knowing, but it was almost like a memory. And I said, is it gave them the month and the day. It was exactly their birthday. I just knew that. I didn't hear a voice. I didn't have a thought that went yeah. through my head. It wasn't a feeling. It was just a knowing that just was there without me being able to recognize the source. And the fact that it was right, I recognized that that was God. Now, I've had the same thing happen, have just a thought pop in my head when somebody's talking about something. I check it out and I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. That was clearly not God. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's, you know, sometimes there's a very easy way to recognize if it's God or not. Sometimes it's a little bit more complicated. So you have knowings, uh, you know, I put kind of understandings with that. Um, flashes of picture, we call vague pictures or flashes of picture. Some people call the seer realm, which is an interesting term because it means so many things. And there's a lot of different things in scripture that would fit within that idea. But you're, you're getting this flash of picture. Let's say you're praying for somebody and you get a flash of picture of them crying, but they're clearly not crying when you look at them. And and you, you get this feeling that they're sad and you begin to ask God to be their comforter and to, to help them with their sadness. Well, that's a way that God would speak. And you have in scripture, when they talk about visions, well, I looked and I saw how clear were those pictures? Some of them, it's obvious that they were very clear. Some of them, you're not quite sure how clear was that picture. So I think there's levels of clarity. And actually, oh, I wish I could remember which Greek word this is. But one of the Greek words that talks about to see, which is often used in prophetic and mm -hmm. I saw and behold, it, it actually has this, this idea of the more you look at it, the more you understand it, the more you see it. It's almost it becomes more and more solid the more attention that you give to it. And so you have that kind of sense that there are pictures that are vague, but then you have the, what we call the coexisting spiritual realm. So we have Elisha. I was trying to remember Elijah and Elisha. I always get their stories mixed up. Um, Elisha is in town and the, the other king sends all the armies to come. His servant goes outside. He runs back in. Elisha, oh no, they're all here. They're coming to get you. Elisha goes out and he goes, oh yeah, this is great. We got a lot more with us and against us. And his servant's like, what are you talking about? You know, Lord, open his eyes and all of a sudden he sees all the angels and the chariots he with his physical eyes is seeing the coexisting spiritual realm which that is you know you have daniel you know, Zechariah had a number of different visions. Zechariah, some of them seemed to have been in trances. Some of them seemed to have been while he was sleeping. Some, some of them were just not whether sure. awake or sleeping, I know not. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you have this whole mix of things. And then, you know, coming into trances, Peter yeah. up on the roof, he has this trance and in the trance, he sees a vision. And so that is a whole level of clarity, which the word trance literally means to be outside of oneself. And so it's almost like your volition is removed and God takes over and brings you into some type of an experience like he did with Peter. Okay. So now all of a sudden these, the difference is these are coming from outside of you versus bubbling up inside of you. Okay. And that that's a huge difference in how you respond to the revelation. So inside you you place them all on the lowest. So all of the examples you gave of the kind of internal revelations of thoughts, 
of just knowings of, uh, like how I snapped my finger, that was yeah. very <laughs> indicative of my Pentecostal background. So, uh, you know, so, so very, very internal revelation, um, all of those things, knowledge, heart, leading, those are all lowest level. You would advise everyone who has anything in that realm to not say, thus saith the Lord, but just to go right. from there, hey, curious i had this thought what do you think of this exactly. or or to reason with a group of people you're a pastor you're a person you're a businessman you're reasoning with people around you well, what do you think about this and it turns out everyone's on the same page lord's working in this okay yeah. okay so, and, so and, lowest level and i would you know just in what, something you said i i would actually suggest to anybody that that's sharing something they feel no matter how it came from the lord not to say thus saith the lord excellent but just to pitch. say, but just to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, I had this thought or I just saw an angel standing next to me and he told me to tell you this. Mm. Just say however it comes. Okay. However it comes is good. I just heard an audible voice that I know is God. It said. So however it comes, however clear, however vague. But yes, that that clearly the less, the more that it comes from within. And the reason is because we can misunderstand what God is saying. We, we can get in a sense that God is conveying, but then we add our own thoughts and our own ideas to it. So let, let's say Agabus. Agabus is one of the few people in the New Testament clearly called a prophet. He prophesies the famine. It comes to pass. They, they raise up this whole offering that they're going to send to Jerusalem. It's a big thing in the early church. See, he was recognized in the whole church as someone that was clearly getting good revelation. Revelation, he comes into a meeting, Paul's there, and you'd mentioned earlier, Paul's constrained by the Spirit to go up to Jerusalem, right? Mm -hmm. Agabus shows up, takes Paul's belt, ties Paul's hands with the belt, and says, well, in this way, the Jews are going to bind the owner of this belt, turn him over to the Gentiles. Now, good word, kind of. Mm -hmm. Because the Jews didn't bind Paul, the Jews tried to kill Paul. They didn't hand him over to the Gentiles. The Gentiles saved Paul from the Romans. Now, the Jews had their hands on him first, and then the Gentiles did second. Paul's hands were bound. So he, he probably received information, but he probably didn't receive those exact words. And so it came out slightly inaccurate, and yet God still put it in Scripture. Michael, you have ridiculous recall on scripture verses you know what those verses are i know that agabus acts 21 21 well, yeah. when was the actual binding of paul do you remember Where, acts 21 like which verses oh same same, it's in acts same yeah. chapter yep. both stories are about okay cool so those who want to read they're like where like, is i'm that? chewing that but i'm not going to swallow yeah. just yet or the, that, yep. that smells a little fishy like that those that's the chapter yeah. that you're in check well, it out and i it just just look through that whole passage from acts 21 where it starts with paul being constrained to go and all the conversations he has along the way because it talks about how everywhere he went people were prophesying not to go to jerusalem that's right but God had clearly told him to go to Jerusalem, mm -hmm. but people His were prophesying like, hey, not to go suffer. to Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were picking up that something bad was going to have happen in Jerusalem. They assumed God wouldn't want anything bad. Right. So their answer was God saying not to go. No, 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 no. God's saying to go, but it's going to be difficult. You're going to suffer, which is the very first thing God told him when he turned his life over to him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. It was coming to pass. So Paul had a grid and he knew how to respond to people's immaturity because at one point they're trying, they're crying and they're like, let's stop, let's stop. And he's like, you know, stop breaking my heart. God's already told me to go. I'm going to go. And then was like, OK, the will of the Lord be done. And it just settled him because he didn't change because other people were giving him revelation because God had already spoken. But he also didn't say it wasn't revelation. He understood it was a misunderstanding. Hmm. So uh, how do you sift that? Because on one hand, you have the people who've passionately prophesied, don't go to Jerusalem right. so passionately that they're weeping. Yeah. Okay. So 
how do you process between emotion and the voice of the Lord on one hand? And then you're the apostle Paul. Okay. You are first compelled or constrained by the Holy spirit to go. That's acts 19 and acts 20. As he's talking to the Ephesian elders, that's reinforced. Mm -hmm. Like he, he says, I, once again, I'm constrained by the Holy spirit. And then, uh, and then he gets to acts 21 and everybody's talking about him going to Jerusalem, him going to Jerusalem, but then don't go. And mm -hmm. so, how does Paul process mixed revelation and come out the right way? How do these people process emotion and revelation? Yeah. There's so much to make sense of. I can imagine some of our viewers being like, that's so messy and scary and dangerous. I just don't even know if I want to mess with it. So. I'm going to cessationist church. I don't even love it. We shared a prophetic word that was just like, you need to move to this place. And, and, yeah. Yeah. and um, it wasn't what God was saying. Yeah, it wasn't person. what God was saying. And so we've really got to understand how to sift this. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of one of the keys that I've learned from pastoring a local church that was pressing in to hear from God, how do we respond to it, which causes you to see the prophetic in a different way. I, I think anybody that teaches about the prophetic that they should be required to be a pastor for at least three years. I would say five years before they're allowed to teach on it because it'll change what you talk about. It'll change how you talk about it. Coming back to what was the revelation? Okay, so that's what God said. How did God say that to you? How did that come to you? What did that look like? Okay, could it be possible, if I'm going to pastor somebody through their emotions, could it be possible that this is what God was saying, but this is how you responded? Uh -huh. it is, do you, how do you normally respond when you hear something negative? Do you think, oh, that can't be God, avoid it? Or how do, how do you respond? Okay, so now you're hearing God agree with your normal response. Is it possible that that's not God, but that's your interpretation of God's response because you already have a predisposition to mm. this thought and to this idea, which comes back to what we were talking about earlier, the types of revelation, the way revelation comes. Because if a revelation comes through the soul, it's easy, the mind, the will, and the emotions, thoughts, feelings, mm -hmm. or desires. It's very easy for the state of our soul to cause us to experience something different than what God was saying. Mm -hmm. And God's actually okay with that because he's not going to remove our free will in the midst of speaking to us and his own doing what he does, no matter what mm. he is, he's maintaining his sovereignty and allowing us free will. And so he allows us to stay in our brokenness, but gives us invitations mm. out. So uh, would you say there's a difference like Old Testament to New Testament? Because, you know, Isaiah says, thus says the Lord do this. You, you probably should do it. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, another one I think of is uh, <laughs> probably. OK, you should. <laughs> viewers. Uh, first Corinthians or not first Corinthians, first Kings 13. You have a dude who's like, uh, you know, the, the Lord says, you know, go over to this place. And then another prophet supposed prophet right. lies to him and says, well, the Lord told me you're supposed to do this instead. Right. Stay and eat with me. And he's like, uh, okay, I guess you're right. <laughs> he stays. Well, then like he's, then the prophet says at the end, ha ha, I lied. Now you're going to get eaten by lions. Yeah. And so he gets and it wasn't by the liar who got eaten by the lion. It was the guy who heard God up so front. This, which is yeah. a whole other story of like, right. man, that that's a hard story of the Bible, but <laughs> yeah. we'll do that on another remnant episode. But, but like yeah. my yeah. point, is just the authority of prophecy. Yeah. So what do we do with that? Well, I mean, one, we could tie that back into what we're talking about. Like there's some revelation that has greater weight in making decisions than other revelation. God clearly speaking to someone and the testimony of the altar splitting in half, the hand withering and being healed. Clearly, he had heard from God. He mm -hmm. should have trusted that. An older prophet that says, well, an angel spoke to me and told me this, maybe an angel did. It just wasn't an angel from God. <laughs> the voice of God trumps angelic revelation. It's mm -hmm. a higher value. It's a higher weight than a message from an angel. So that just seem like that's one piece. If, if you said, hey, it's it's it was an angel. What if he had said it was God? The word of the Lord came to me. Like, would it have been? Again, personal subjectiveness of of he said, she said, like, I prefer the Lord said me this and the Lord said, right. like, doesn't that instantly come down to just uh, personal revelation and authority? And like, how, how do we sift through that? 
You see what I'm saying? Yes. I'm trying to figure out how far back to go. That's my pause. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, to make sure that as I say this, that it actually has has clear, clear understanding. Um, we have a responsibility ourselves to hear from God. If we know that God has spoken something to us, we should not allow someone else to tell us, no, you're wrong. Now, how do you bring in humility? How do you bring in leadership? How do you bring in that? How did you decide that that was God speaking? You have to have something that clearly does not violate what is written out in scripture. That's mm -hmm. one. You have to have something that does not violate the nature of God because there's stuff that is in scripture or excuse me, that's not in scripture, but is allowed in the nature of God. God could tell you to go buy a red car. You're not going to find any place in scripture that tells you to go buy a red car. But can God tell you that? Yeah, he can. Well, does that violate God's nature? No, it doesn't necessarily mean it is God. So you can't say, well, I know that this is God because it doesn't violate God's nature. But you can say it doesn't violate that. And what would be an example of violating God's nature? Violating God's nature. Um, the marriage that you're in is unhealthy for your spiritual life. You need to leave your spouse that would be wouldn't that be scripture or that would be unhealthy right right that that would be now there's a clear it'd be unhealthy right. and scriptural i'm trying um, yeah i can okay. see both go together give me give me an example is, that would that, be uh, that would be the nature of god that's not scripture okay um, not that there is, because in my mind, I think scripture perfectly explains the nature of God. So well, it's easy it, for me to wrap those two together. Well, and that's, and that's the reality. We sure. know the nature of God through scripture, but the application of that to situations is not always applied to every situation in scripture. So, so would the nature of God be like, hey, I, I've got a word from the Lord that we are going to restructure our church for the next 15 years. Okay. The Lord said for 15 years, we're not going to do any evangelism. We're not going to do any discipleship we're gonna do 100 percent worship that's all we're gonna do is we're gonna get together and we're gonna worship for 15 years it's not to say that it's a small period of time but it's like we're going to change the ecclesiological components of the church if the church is um, worship instruction fellowship and evangelism if the church is make disciples teach the gospel uh, 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 love god love people if those are the kind of commissioning organizations and we're going to say no to those things and yes to these things it's not to say that not one day but we're violating the nature of god in saying that God is changing his mind about the commission that he's given to the church. Would that be a fair illustration of the immutable nature of God and going against God's nature that's not inherently against scripture? I, well, I, I think there's clear scriptural. I mean, the commission to the church, go and make disciples of all nations. Somebody says, stop making disciples. Then you say the exact same thing the apostles did. Hey, you, you figure out whether or not it's right to obey God rather than man. As sure. for us, we have to do what God has said. God has said, make disciples. We have no option but to make disciples mm -hmm. because that's clear in scripture. So, you know, and I love the fact that you put the 15 years in there because the next two weeks we're just going to worship and we're not saying that nobody should be doing discipleship nobody should be doing evangelism but this is what god is calling us to do as a body because whatever sure okay yeah two short weeks short-term exemption sure sure yeah and and it's not it's not a saying that those things aren't important it's just saying that for this hour this two hour period of each week this is going to be our focus as a corporate body we encourage you to still be christians whole christians in your normal life and obey god as you normally would and live out your christian life yeah because the life the moment of the church is an aspect Aspect of the Christian life, but it's not the whole. Now, if somebody, if somebody said everybody in the church, you're not allowed to read the Bible, you're not allowed to evangelize, you're not right, allowed right, to right, disciple. Right. Anytime that you think about any of those things, you must just worship. Now there, no, no way. Sure. Clearly not biblical. And so, yeah, you you would line those things up with the nature of God. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I, I started tried for um, uh, God speaking to me in such a revelation because I've got experiences where it's like woke up in the middle of the night, shaken violently, like like because I heard the voice of the Lord, I trembled under the sound of his voice and was just uh, I have to do what he told me to do. Like, right. like, but then then my theology also says, like, 
the scripture is the only authoritative thing binding on the conscience. And it's like, you tell that to the shaking voice that spoke to me in the middle of it. So it's like, I had yeah, this really I, I think that's a space. question to address though, is can you, can you rest on that definition that only the scripture can yeah. be binding on the conscience? Because I think that we could not scripturally, the, right? <laughs> Cause I, I want to hear your thoughts. Cause I, I think one could argue, well, Hey, you know, the apostle Paul was compelled by the Holy spirit to go to Jerusalem. If he didn't go, he was sinning, but it doesn't yeah. say in the scripture, Paul, go to Jerusalem. Right. So I think somebody could make the argument. Same with Peter in Acts chapter 10. The Holy Spirit speaks through uh, you know, the Lord speaks through a trance, the voice of the Lord. He has this trance, you know, get up, Peter, go kill and eat and then translates into go go to Cornelius's house, etc. If he didn't go, he would have been sinning. So those yeah. are going to be cliffhanger moments because We've got to do a quick word from our <laughs> That's the song you're listening to right So hopefully that short interruption is still on the same video and not a separate video. Uh, if you are watching, I apologize for any kind of interruption that we may have had. I think YouTube's actually pretty good about splicing the videos together if there is an interruption, whereas I think if we use other platforms, it actually makes separate videos. So hopefully it's all together. Um, you know, we asked a question about uh, scripture being the only authority that's binding on the conscience right. in such a way. I want to have that question answered, but... I want to do it probably closer towards the end. The reason being is you were setting up a case for me on prophecy that would the, the kind of the kind of funnel that we have. Right. There's scripture. Um, there's the nature of God. Is there any other kind of criteria that you would place on prophecy uh, that would that would help us get an understanding as if this is the Lord? Yeah. So I would once those two are dealt with mm -hmm. clear and they've passed those two tests. So they have to pass. Does it violate scripture? If it doesn't pass that test, then it gets thrown out, period. No other test, right? Passes that test, then you compare it to the nature of God. If it passes that test, then you go to the next one. And so these are steps. These aren't, hey, look at all these at the same time. After those two, then the others are not so... Uh, um, Black and white, black or white. So I would, I would like in my list, I, I'm sure Michael as a pastor has got a list of, of funnel, right? That I would, I go funnel with, I go scripture. Like you said, um, you know, you can contemplate the nature of God. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. Um, another one I would say I'd place like a multitude of counselors, like let the prophecies come, let the prophets weigh yes. what is being judged, what's being said. Um, and, and then I'm, I'm even okay with even furthermore, if all of those things check out to continue to pray on, to consider yeah. those kinds of things, is there any other, any kind of other pieces that you'd place into that? Well, I would step in like, what else has God said to you? Yeah. Like if God's told you, and I'm just using an example, God's told you yes mm -hmm. to your question and you hear God say no. Wait a second. The one who said, do not say yes and no, because if it's not yes, yes, or no, no, it's from the devil is not going to say yes, no. Hmm. So he's not going to violate even what he's spoken to you already. Now, is it a timing issue? Um, you know, you're thinking about moving to Africa to be a missionary and God says no. And then five years later, God says, move to Africa to be a missionary. It wasn't no, never move to Africa. It was no, this is not the right time. Now you start the discerning. Is this the right time? Do I understand the timing? So you, you would have, you would, you would look at what else has God said? Has God given you something clearly that he's told you? Have you made covenants to the Lord? Um, there, there's a place of covenant and vows to the Lord that that's clear in scripture that I don't think we really understand in the Western church. Mm -hmm. When I first became a believer, I was delivered of alcoholism and drug addiction. I just, I mean, literally woke up one day different, had this sustaining. I think we've talked about this mm -hmm. in one of the, one of the other interviews. So I'm reading through scripture a couple months later and I get, and I think it's in, I think it's the one in Mark. It might've been Luke where, where Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper and he says, I will not drink again of this cup until yep. I drink it anew in the kingdom. And I had this thought, that's the commitment. I'm going to make a vow to the Lord that I will not drink alcohol again until I get to heaven. 
And so I I got my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. We made a vow to the Lord. I've Mm. never violated that vow purposefully. Now, I have taken the little cup of communion and found out that it was alcohol after it got through my lumber. But I've never willingly violated that covenant to the Lord. God is not going to ever tell me to do something that would violate that covenant to the Lord. Because it's a covenant. And the Bible says, once you made a covenant, you are bound by that covenant. You don't just get to get new information later and change your mind. It's period. And so there are, there are things like that. And now that's talking about the nature of God. That is coming back to the nature of God. He's faithful. He does not change. How does that relate to those things? I, I love the multitude of counselors. Because I'm, we were talking about, you know, hey, somebody is giving you this word. Um, you get this revelation and then somebody else is saying that's not what God is saying. How do you do? You have to stand on what God has said. Yeah. But you have to make sure that it's actually what God has said and not your opinion. Yeah. Anyone who's been around the prophetic yeah. circles will spot, have seen people spiral out of complete insanity, like yeah. into oh, complete yeah. insanity. Yeah. Because yeah. The, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus yeah. saith the Lord. I, I can't listen to you because God has spoken to me and they become an island to themselves. Right. Yeah. There's no submission. Yeah, thus says the weird. Lord, and and the voice of the Lord can be like a weapon of of isolation, really. Like I'm gonna do it my way yeah. and not your way. That's actually the real challenge for me with Acts 21, to be perfectly mm. honest, because my biggest safeguard for hearing the voice of the Lord is that Proverbs 15, Multitude. the abundance of counselors. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you know, the Lord told me to move to Cairo, and then 90 of my closest friends all said, you're smoking pot, you know, then yeah. <laughs> I don't have 90 close friends. Yeah, I was gonna say, that no. are gonna, they're gonna accuse you. And I don't smoke pot. <laughs> I've also made a vow to the Lord. Okay, I never really had to make that vow. But, um, anyway, but my, my point is that's such a safety net. But, right. But here, Paul, like, kind of violates the safety net. He goes at it alone. But but I think that there are rare occasions. And I, this is why I like what you were saying about, like, you have to know what God has said to you. Yeah. Um, because it's but not like, hold on, hold on. Okay. it's not as though Paul heard five minutes ago a slight impression that perhaps he might go to Jerusalem someday. It is is he, uh, I keep saying it, compelled then constrained. And like over the course of, we don't know how long, probably at least weeks, Mm -hmm. probably months that, that he's experiencing this and that suffering awaits me when he, when I get there. And so, and yet even when he addresses it with him, he says, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? So they're brokenhearted, but so is he. So he, it's like, he's presenting it to the Lord. Like, okay, Lord, am I going crazy here? Am I experiencing this the wrong way? No, I'm going to hold on to what I've been hearing now for weeks or months. And so I do think there's that, that time in a believer's life where God calls us to make a decision on our own. That is a risk. I mean, uh, you look at that with, um, with Paul, you also look at it with Jesus, where Peter's like, don't go to the cross. That's crazy talk <laughs> and get behind me, Satan, he says. And yeah. Jesus is pretty much going at it alone. Everybody's leaving him. And so I think there are times when that happens. But I think the norm is that the abundance of counselors yeah. will be our safety net. And then yeah. to your point, I think the, the question I was going to ask is, is, didn't Paul go from place to place to place to place? And they're all saying, you're going to suffer, you're going to suffer, you're going to suffer. His call yes. was, you're going to suffer. So like, it's yeah. still, I, I can say that leading up to Acts 21, he's actually listening to a multitude of counselors. He's actually uh-huh. saying, this is what the counselors have said. But they do say, don't go to Jerusalem too. Oh, so they flip so flop. They conclude, Oof. don't go to Jerusalem. Yeah. But at the end of it, they say, the Lord's will be done. Yeah. So what that shows is that they actually recognize by the end of it, maybe I applied this prophetic message differently to your point. That's exactly it. Excellent. So, yeah. Because he was recognizing the revelation. He could tell there was revelation there because every, everybody keeps on bringing up Jerusalem and him yeah. going to Jerusalem. Well, that's what God's saying. Now, their interpretation, don't go. Now, that doesn't fit what God's saying, but clearly God is saying something. Yeah. So so coming back to the binding on the conscience thing, yes. what's your opinion on that? How's your How do you read the scriptures? Can a prophetic message be binding on the conscience? Um, I, I actually think that if you follow scripture, it's clear that it has to be. Mm-hmm. And I'll put it this is Deuteronomy 18. Another way of wording that is from the scripture. It's clear that Josh is wrong. 
That's it. Okay. <laughs> I just well, but, it. But like, Sorry, I didn't that's mean, not I, what I was intending I was trying to, to make say. Joke, but, but, hey, I, saying, I felt like I just made it uncomfortable. No, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> By scripture, he's saying the Westminster Catechism, the Heidelberg, the Concord, like like all of these theological disserta- not dissertations. Yeah, but, but for the record, I agree with you. Speaking, but I, but, I but let me see where, where it comes from. Okay. I'll, I'll explain. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Yeah. Um, there's going to be raised up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers to him you shall listen if you do not listen to him the one who does not listen to him of him it will be required sure all right so that's jesus that is jesus yes exactly hebrews chapter one mm-hmm. god spoke through the prophets he spoke through all these things but in these days he speaks through jesus mm-hmm. um john explains what that is I'm going away, but I'm coming back. I will not leave you as orphans, but the Holy Spirit will come. I will be with you. My Father will be with you because the Holy Spirit is with you. He will bring to remembrance all the things that I have said. So the Holy Spirit speaking to us is that voice of Jesus speaking to us, communicating to us. We no longer are required to have external sources to hear the voice of God. We can hear from God. If we have Jesus now, you can hear from God if you don't have Jesus, but you have a full expectation of Mm. a normal uh, normalcy. Sure. Doesn't fit in the context, but it's close enough. It should be normal for us to hear from God as believers. And what would you say to somebody who says, well, yes, we've heard from his son, but we've heard him preaching about the kingdom and talking about parables and talking about his death and resurrection. And we we have we've heard from Jesus as revealed in the scripture. Yeah. But does that necessarily mean that the spirit of Jesus will be communicating to me on a subjective way? Does that mean that God would only communicate message to an individual that is not the message for all people? Yes. So does Bible give you the option for that? Jesus himself prophesying to the churches, different messages for different churches. And as much as we want to change that around, those were literal churches Mm -hmm. and those were messages specific to their circumstance. And the message to this church was not the message to this church or to this church. They each individually had their word as an example of what it looks like for a prophetic word to be given to a particular group of people that's for a group of people now, so binding on the conscience uh, you, you, binding you, on their conscience I'm, I'm, you must do this or else it is sin and I, that, I'm, I'm a, really okay with the book of Revelation being that way because I see an apostolic witness that that John is the disciple of Jesus that Jesus says hey John tell the church this yep. it's it's like Paul saying I received this directly from Jesus I'm giving it to you now I, I feel like there there may be a difference between you know I go to a an altar call moment and someone prays for me and is like hey I feel like you're called to Nicaragua and I go, okay, pray about it. I'm not sure that it's God. And on the day of judgment, you know, I'm standing before the Lord and he's like, you should have gone to Nicaragua, homie. Like no. binding on the conscience mean this is sin if I don't comply. Yeah. And, and I believe that that's possible, but I don't believe that most prophetic utterances are like that. Okay. So, so let me clarify. Okay. You know that God has spoken to you mm-hmm. and you know what God has asked you to do. And you know when you're supposed to do it. If you do not do it at that point, it is sin. Not because you're not sure, you're not positive if it's God. You think maybe it's not, maybe this person had a good idea. All these other things. You've clearly recognized this is God speaking to me. I understand what he's saying. And I understand what he wants of me, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. And so I'm going to use, I can't see that in scripture as an excuse to disobey. That is sin. So now that we've, we've talked about like the, the check marks of if this is God, right. you just talked about what, what is, I feel like a jump from maybe God, I hear the Lord saying, maybe this is the way that I'm, I'm discerning this to some kind of epistemological version of assurance like how do i know that i know that i know that i know that this is god like there's a difference between hey this fits a criteria of it may be prophecy right i toss it out there it gets it gets weighed maybe it is maybe it isn't no harm no foul but you're you're talking about assurance how do you Mm -hmm. ever share any kind of word that's going to be binding on someone's conscience if 
if you know that that could completely destroy their lives or yours or all of the above, like yeah. assurance is like, even if three people gave me a prophetic word and they were all wrong, like how, how is there any level of assurance? Okay. So coming back to our, we started talking about the different ways that revelation comes right 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 right, right. we start with thoughts feelings very subjective picked up by the brain stem shaking around <laughs> yeah like we know when we know right. that when ezekiel's taken and spun around that's for sure right God's if somebody starts levitating that that's probably god right. or well we well, can't say that but <laughs> time if out. it's ezekiel the video yeah no <laughs> if it's ezekiel. it is ezekiel <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in scripture ezekiel said he was lifted up by the hair of his head and yeah. he was suspended between earth and heaven and then he prophesied so right, right, that's right, right. the context for where that we came were joking from. before the, the program yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> and, and somehow a brain stood yeah. into that conversation you know that's, go, that's go the ahead. nice thing about videos is it's really hard for the eggs and the tomatoes to reach you yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> uh, sorry um, so you have you, you have the subjective then you've got dreams you've got visions you've got the physical form of the Lord Jesus standing in front of you, speaking to you. You've got being taken up into a heavenly place and seeing God's throne in all of his glory. There's different levels. If you're at that level, if you've been taken up into that kind of experience and in that experience, now you're not closing your eyes and imagining heaven and you think you're there. Right. But you are taken like there's a difference and you know the difference when when that level of experience Caught happens up into the third heaven yeah yeah and in that you know whether in this flesh or in the spirit i do not know like sure. that that's a level of clarity he's like i know something happened i don't even understand all of it but it's clear this was accurate you're obedient to that level of revelation mm -hmm. if you so have the greater a the revelation the greater the greater the, the weight you put on it and then think of it like scales of justice let's say you've got a decision here and let's say your decision we'll, we'll talk about yours go to cairo and be a street evangelist in cairo likelihood is you'll live for a few days before you get killed right I mean, that that would not be unusual in that in kind Cairo. of environment in Cairo, <laughs> sure. in Cairo. Yeah. If you're going to make that kind of decision, you better be sure it's God, because either you're committing suicide or you're being a martyr. And you want to be sure which one it is, because, you know, there's a big difference between those two. Now, let, let's add something to that. Let's say you've got a family and you're supposed to take your family to Cairo with you. Now, all of a sudden, the weight of that decision is much higher. Mm. You're not going to do that because somebody gave you a prophetic word, because you had a dream, because you had a feeling, because you saw you had a picture of you standing on the streets of Cairo and prophesying. You're, you're going to do that because you've had all of those and 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 a multitude of counselors. You. You've got a recognition that this is God's call on your life. You've got confirmation that this is God's call on your life. And it has become clear by a multitude of counselors, not just of the people in your life, but the ways and times that God spoke and clarified and put his yes and amen on that revelation mm -hmm. that you know that you know that this is God speaking to you and you know that you have no choice at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So, now that's a lot different than somebody coming up and giving you a prophetic word. I can't give you a prophetic word and, and have any thought that you would be held morally responsible to that response unless God spoke to you directly. Yeah, I, that, I like that would be illegal because it also seems like we're talking about there's one God speaking to me for me. Right. And two is God speaking to me for you. The latter of which is prophecy. The first just being revelation. Yes. And if I'm going to like prophesy to you, the level of authority I'm even going to communicate that with personally, I don't even say thus says the Lord. I say something <laughs> like, hey, I think God's God might be saying yeah. something like this. And I had to teach my church to do that. And it actually protects from tons of abuse. Yeah. Um, but like then you get to like revelation for you, like this thing with Paul, where it's like mm -hmm. over and over and over again, it's reiterated. And and Josh, even with you, you you know, the Lord has called you to Rimna radio. And this has been going for like three years. Mm -hmm. So if some schmo just is like, 
the Lord says quit remnant radio. You're going to be like, uh, no, because the Lord told me a thousand times to do it. Right. And so I, I think there's also like a difference on that level. too. Exactly. Well, and it's clear that there's discernment. And to be clear, I, I believe in prophecy. I, I believe it happens. I've, I've seen it happen. I've seen it minister to people. But I've also seen just... In, especially in the last probably four years, just a ridiculous amount of abuse. And it, it seems to come down to a group of individuals who who have confirmation internally. It comes from a group of people that have um, that, that kind of have a hierarchical structure of authority where a bunch of yes men just say yes to the guy at top and look at submission uh-huh. and, and, it, and it becomes man, really, really confusing and dangerous. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I am, I'm listening to you. I understand what you're saying, but like, there is just this, we're treading on such dangerous ground and like uh, people who are watching this and who are like, Hey, you know, uh, uh, just, just know what, what we're talking about. I have seen destroy. And I mean, like suicidal, almost destroy people's lives and future. Oh, yeah. um, so we just, we've, got to like divorced yeah. families like just ridiculous uh, stuff that we've seen yeah. in the last three or four years and to that note this ministry started from prophecy right mm-hmm. um a uh, hundred thousand people this month are going to be reached from from remnant radio uh two hundred thousand a couple months ago from from this ministry uh, uh people all over the world talking to us giving us their testimonies people who are who kids who are getting ministered to getting delivered from demons i mean crazy stories are happening yeah so i believe in prophecy yeah um but it, it is a fine line and we yeah. got to tread lightly. I just want to be yeah. careful. It's true. You know as, I mean? soon, as soon as somebody that thinks they're prophetic yeah. removes your responsibility to hear from God for yourself, that's a false prophet run. Okay. Mm-hmm. As yeah. soon as my word is more important than what you're hearing, I'm not giving you something to take back and pray and see what God is saying. I'm telling you what God is saying. That's abusive just run i totally agree because i've had you know as a pastor of a church every now and then i mean when someone's critical which Mm -hmm. anytime you're a leader someone's gonna criticize you don't matter and honestly it's just part of being a human too but uh but what i've had happen before is someone wants to add a little extra dose of authority to their criticism (laughs) by attaching Jesus to it. Yes. <laughs> and so God told me, right. You so should. God told me. So what I've learned is usually these people, they like, they feel so confident it's Jesus that they don't even need to identify themselves in the criticism. And so they have an anonymous letter that's basically <laughs> signed by Jesus. I mean, it, it'll be like, Hey, God mm-hmm. says this and I don't need to tell my name. And so mm-hmm. PS signed. Jason's I honestly mom. like, <laughs> I don't take those. I had somebody trying to contact the church. I have a word from God for your pastor. I'm like, who is this guy? He won't tell his name. I'm like, I won't meet with him. Yeah. And so there are some kind of giveaways like that. Like right. when there's an abusive tone, a manipulated, uh, it, just this highly controlling, they don't leave any. I think uh, the way I understand New Testament prophecy is there's a humility both in giving and receiving the prophetic word. Yeah. Sure. And I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. And, and the big difference is coming back to something we'd mentioned earlier, the difference between Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, they did not have Christ within them, the Holy Spirit within them, giving them the expectation that God was speaking. And so the prophetic voice was the only way that people could hear. And so the responsibility was on the prophetic voice. If you prophesy and you're presumptive in that prophecy and you lead people to any other God, you're going to get stoned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not what happens in the New Testament. Paul had plenty of opportunities in Acts 19 through 21 to stone to people. Get, <laughs> like, get it? You see what I did? Ah, that see was what clever. I, did? I like oh, that. That was good. That was good. Dad jokes. Dad okay. jokes. Every now and then they work. We have a responsibility, and that's why Thessalonians, it says that test what is good, hold fast to what is good, throw out what's evil, but do not despise prophecy. And that word despise, I mean, you love a good Greek word. Yeah, give me, give me that look, Greek. Look at that oh. word. It, <laughs> we think of despise as detest, disgust, yuck. It's not what that word means. It means to give less value than it's worth. Hmm. To lower diminish. the value, to diminish. Interesting. If we lower the value of prophecy, we have violated that scriptural place. And so we have Mm. to find a way to do the hard work of discerning 
and teaching the body of Christ how to discern when you know, let two or three prophets speak, let the others judge. The person that's speaking doesn't get the right to judge if what they're hearing is from God. The others do. Okay. That's New Testament. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And if somebody won't submit to that, then they don't get an opportunity to speak. It's easy. Yeah, and you know, when you say that about the, the don't despise prophecy, what that makes me think too, the reason he had to say that is because sometimes people despised prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and why did people despise prophecy? For all the same reasons that people despise prophecy today. It's man- it can be manipulative. It can be abused. But anytime there's something powerful, mm-hmm. it can be used for ill. I mean, a knife is powerful. It can be used for ill. A gun yeah. is powerful. It's going to make people but, fat. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I know where this argument's going. I've heard it. <laughs> but can be made for good, too. Yeah, uh, yeah so I think we've exhausted that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we need any more metaphors. <laughs> We're done with that analogy. one. So um, anyway, so yeah. And, and so I would just encourage our, our viewers that, you know, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. There have also been a lot of really wonderful experiences with prophecy. So. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Um, we're kind of coming to the end of our program and I, it's so, I hate it because there's so much that we, we haven't touched on that we could have touched on. So, uh, give me some closing thoughts. What are some, Hey, uh, people are walking away. I want them to have this grid and, and, and how, how to approach this hearing from the Lord, these various forms of hearing from the Lord, um, uh, the, the, the weight that that has on our life. And then again, how does that work with a closed cannon? Um, how, how does that work or open can for that matter? We didn't even get to touch on well, whether you think it's open or shut, but <laughs> I, I'm just going to assume by default that Christians are close canon people, but that's, that's I fine. hope so. I've got a few guys that are, uh, yeah, no, I've run into a few of those, but yeah. Um, so here, here's a couple things. One revelation is not an isolated experience. Yeah. Let me clarify that. Somebody gives you a prophetic word. You have a dream. You have a vision. That is one sentence in an ongoing conversation with a friend. It fits into the context of the ongoing conversation. So don't take one spiritual experience, spiritual encounter, and divorce it from everything else that God has been doing and God is saying. Mm-hmm. It'll fit into that ongoing relationship that you have with him. If If you think of it that way, then you will find the thread of what God is saying and it'll become easier and easier to discern his voice Mm. as you grow. And you'll recognize this piece and this piece and this piece and this piece and how they all fit together. And, and, And they cause this security, this confidence in the voice of God, when you recognize, man, he's been speaking to me about this for five years. It's clear this is what he wants. And then you have no question. I know within a doubt, not because I've had a clear prophetic word from somebody or I've had a single dream that I can point at or even a single experience, but just a a decade of things that I am doing exactly what I'm supposed to do, what God wants me to do right now. That's good. As as in in general. But I can't point to one specific revelation for that. But I can point to hundreds, Hmm. hundreds over that period of time that I look for. So don't take it in isolation. It's a relationship. And if somebody gives you a prophetic word, that's just one more sentence in the conversation with your friend Mm -hmm. that's having an ongoing conversation. And if it doesn't fit in that conversation, that's the one you either just throw out or you hold on to and say, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. And, and, And then you move forward. And another thing, thinking about the prophetic, when people start to recognize that God speaks and they get hungry for God speaking, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make again and again is they think of prophecy as as Christian fortune telling. Mm -hmm. I'm going to know my future so that I can be in control. God's going to tell me what's going to happen next so that I can be in control. But most of the time when God speaks about the future, you don't understand it. You don't know what he said. And after it happens, you look back and you're like, yeah, that's what that was. It's more assurance after the fact. It's more assurance after the fact so that your faith becomes in the faithfulness of God, not in your ability to hear. Yeah. And any time prophecy or gifting cause you to be have more faith in your own gifting than it is in God's faithfulness, there's a, there's a problem and you've got to fix that problem. 
That's powerful, mm. man. So love it. Same thoughts, man. Love closing it. Thoughts. Cool. I want to share some closing thoughts, but then I'm going to volley to you yeah. and ask you to share the story of Remnant and the prophetic word. So oh, I think okay. that would be a powerful closing. Uh, but I would just say love love having you on the show and the things that you said. And I think my, my big takeaway is that this is a journey. Hearing God is a journey and friendship is about journey. You can't really be a friend with somebody whose voice you don't know. And, uh, and so, uh, a good chapter that I just think of in the book of Acts, one of my favorites on hearing the voice of the Lord is when Paul uh, uh, and his team is they're seeking the Lord about where are we going to go next? And they go to <laughs> Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them. And then Mysia and this, you know, the Lord wouldn't allow them go there either. And it's like, why didn't the Holy Spirit just tell them what to do immediately? But he yeah. didn't. He allowed them to experience a few closed doors. And if you've had a few closed doors on you and you're like, Lord, why don't you just tell me? That's actually part of the journey of okay. friendship, of walking with him, of deepening our friendship with him so that we're ready to hear his voice in deeper and more clear ways in the future. And so ultimately, Paul does have a dream. And he relies on his team to help interpret the dream. It's a Macedonian saying, come over here and help us. Now, it wasn't a Philippian. It was a Macedonian. Mm -hmm. So then you actually have some human reasoning and a church planning strategy by Paul to focus on the leading cities of each district. So he yeah. goes to Philippi, a leading city of that district. Uh, so there's some kind of human logic mixed in with that. But all of that fits into the partnership and the journey with Jesus. And they go and they plant a church in Philippi. And God leads Lydia to the Lord, leads Cornelius to the Lord and their households and a demonized chick. So uh, <laughs> all the rest. I just said chick. Either way. So... Um, <laughs> So it's just the journey. It's a friendship with him. I think that's my big takeaway. Cool. Come well, I'll, I'll do a quick takeaway. And then to your point, we'll tell the story of Remnant. Second uh, Timothy 3, uh, uh, 14 through 17, right? Uh, for you know to continue in all that you have learned and, firm, and firmly believe, knowing... Sorry, I'm so dyslexic. It's hard, hard to read through. I'm like, uh, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation and faith in Jesus Christ. All scriptures breathed out are theonostos, profitable for teaching, reproof for correction and righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Paul wrote this to Timothy, saying that the scripture is sufficient for salvation. Uh, for reproof, for correction and righteousness, uh, and to equip you for every single good work. And prophecy was still happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so this Come is on. often used as a scripture to say, we don't need prophecy. Scripture is enough. But he wrote in this book, Timothy, re remember the prophecies that were given to you through the laying out of my hands, or the gifts that were given to you through the laying out of my hands. So this is not an argument for a closed, for, for closed revelation, for, for closed uh, information. And I would also encourage you to consider authorities of uh, government. Um, uh, we say, hey, uh, we have all the authority we need in Scripture. But then you'd ask, but doesn't the Bible tell us to submit to the authorities that have been placed over us by God in the government? Well, but but, but the, as long as the government doesn't contradict a scripture, that's the argument for prophecy, right? So so you can say that yes. there are two compatible authorities working and leading and guiding and that God is using both uh, and them not necessarily be contradictory. So if you're that's out good. there and you're saying, hey, I have a hard time understanding this, at least find some solace in that, uh, that, that God can speak, God does speak, and those things can work along each other. So uh, the way that this started, man, a buddy of mine named Jeff Gray uh, came to me. I was the associate pastor of a church, Wellspring, I think at the time, not Wellspring, Wellspring is here. The associate <laughs> pastor of a church oasis uh, might have been a youth pastor at the time but he comes up to me and he, I was positive a youth pastor at the time he asked me to pray for him um, and so I'm praying for him just kind of the generic Lord bless him give him direction I didn't know anything other about him other than the fact that he was a pastor at one time and uh, I'm praying for him and the Lord kind of drops an impression uh, in my in my mind heart whatever I kind of see something of him behind a microphone in a radio station and I was like well this kind of might be an odd thing this might be a little weird this is something I've really wanted to do for a long time trying to help him I, I call it a spiritual airbag right like <laughs> this may be nothing and it's something that I've been putting a lot of time in thought to you it might mean nothing for you but i saw you in a radio station do you feel called to media radio uh kind of kind of uh, help the media the media space of reaching people and he was like actually when i was in seattle i had a radio station that i worked at and i really i more more than even leaving the pastorate i hated the fact that i was letting go of this because we were reaching so many people and i was like 
we'll follow up, follow me upstairs. And we went upstairs and like, this is a space that I've talked about that I've thought about. And you actually can go back. Mm-hmm. I released a video just a couple of weeks ago on Facebook where you can see our very first episode of Remnant Radio. Mm-hmm. You were in the space, <laughs> the foam falling off the back of the wall, and little phones. And, and it was cool because what was a leading from the Lord, I feel like God brought you down here for this ministry, uh, to start this ministry, to be a part of this ministry, uh, ended up reaching hundreds of thousands of people. So super yeah. excited. Believe that God is still doing that today. How do people get in contact with you in your ministry, John? Yeah. So streamsministries.com. Uh, you can go on there. We've got a bunch of resources, blogs, videos. We've, we really do. We have a lot of online classes. So we do a lot of training um, actually related to this. Something I, I think some people might be interested. If you want, I don't call it this on my website because a lot of people go there. They're lo- looking at how do I hear from God? Hmm. But a theological framework for understanding prophetic ministry. Um, I've got a course called Practical Prophetic Training, hmm. which goes closer clear through from the beginning, laying a foundation for God speaking. What is the office of the prophet? What is the ministry of the prophet? What are the different functions of the prophetic shown in scripture? And how do we actually operate in that today? So I think that'd be really helpful. So streamsministries.com. Great. Hey, thank you so much yeah. for coming on. It's you're an honor welcome. to have you. Thank it's you. always so much fun, man. Uh, you're always you're always good. I can ask those hard questions and get real. <laughs> yeah. And it's like he's always I able to it. take them. I always appreciate guests that can do that. It's, yeah. a, it's a lot of fun. So uh, if you're out there, you're watching Remnant Radio, Monday night, 830 p.m. Central Standard Time is our live shows. Uh, we do have a show this Tuesday as well on authority. We have other ones at random times, at but random always times. Monday. At always Monday night, <laughs> Tuesday. So check out that one on Tuesday as well. But but uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, if you feel uh, blessed by the ministry, make sure to subscribe but leave a like button and donate uh donate donate in the description of every video that we do so be blessed we'll see you next time want to thank kairos classrooms for sponsoring this episode of remnant radio and if you're out there you've ever wondered hey i wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies well you need to check out kairos classrooms they offer greek and hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you it's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers and they help teach you the biblical languages of greek in Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.